for those of you who are new, my name's David. I'm part of the leadership team here. I lead the team. I work here. Um, it's my privilege to get to speak to you for the next 35, 40 minutes or so, hopefully. Um, before I do that, I want to talk about something really, really important. Kids and families. It's up and up on the screen the whole time. <laughs> the reveal was ruined. Uh, um, so we're 10 years old. Next year, Redeemer is 10 years old. And there's a number of church areas. Yes, come on, give it up. So there's a number of church area, areas in church life that we're keen to focus on during this significant year um, as we look to the future. And children, our children, our young people are a really important part of this community. We feel it's, um, as a leadership team, we've been reflecting on that. We feel that it feels about the right time that we can actually invest, invest even further in our young people and on our kids. We know as Redeemer that we're called to the city. We're called to Belfast as a city. We're here, we're present on Donegal Street um, and having a presence here to engage the needs of our city and our city centre. We also know that the vast majority of us majority of us live on the outer edges of the city and in the neighbouring towns and villages which means that belonging to a church that gathers regularly in the city centre can be a challenge, um, particularly to families and to young people. But we want this community to continue to be a place where families and children are such an important part um, of our community. Um, They continue to be a presence in the streets that families and children are made to feel welcome, safe, cared for, and invested in. As well as the fact that there are kids uh, and families living in and around the streets um, in the residential areas in the inner city here that we would love to connect with. So all that being said, 2019 is a year where we'd love to invest in some of that. And so we're going to create, hopefully, a staff role for a kids and families coordinator. And most likely that's going to be part-time to begin with. It's going to be like a temporary role um, to begin with. We hope to see that grow and we hope to see that develop um, as, the years, as the year goes on. So I just wanted to put that out there now. If that is something that tr- is, you're really interested in this morning, we want to open up a period of time for you to come and express that interest. If a, if a kids and family coordinator role here in this community is something that you feel like you'd love to learn more about, please do come and speak to me. You can speak to me in person uh, on Sundays. You can email me. Um, and between today and the 16th of December, I would love to hear from you just to see whether you'd be interested in such a role. Um, for the rest of us, I'm going to come back in the new year and um, when we're back here in January and I'll get to explain a little bit more detail around that and what that might look like Uh, and perhaps we might even have someone in that role who knows or be making plans toward that but for now we're just opening a window of 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 a time where you can express some interest in that so please do come it's an exciting time it's an exciting opportunity i'm looking forward to seeing how that develops um for the rest of today i'm gonna um gonna speak on the season of advent that we're in so yesterday was the, the 1st of December, today's the 2nd, and um, the festive season is upon us, the season of good cheer, the season of joy, or, um, or is it? It seems to always be a really contentious um, thing. Um, when does the season of Christmas actually start? I was even in a conversation this morning about that. Um, is it the 1st of December? Is it like fair game after Halloween, like it's just the season of Christmas has started. Is it when like Ikea starts selling their Christmas trees? I was in the Ikea Christmas tree line yesterday and queued for like an hour to get my Christmas tree. 
Is it when, when, the, when the, the Christmas sales begin or like when Black Friday finishes or Cyber Monday or is it like Chris Martin sings, is it when the snow falls, it feels like Christmas? Um, some people seem to be really passionate about this, like when is Christmas? Like I'm not listening to Christmas music before the 1st of December. And if you work in retail, I, I actually really sympathize with you because I worked in retail. I worked in a supermarket in my teenage years um, and in university years. And every day was like, you just had enough Mariah Carey, you'd had enough of Wham for like a whole lifetime. You were like going to bed with like Wizard and the Pogues, just like running around in your head constantly. Have you heard this? Like some people are starting to do their Christmas shopping in the summer or like in September. That's, a th- that's just like a thing. So hands up, if you, hands up here if you think Christmas should not be mentioned before December 1st. The poll, Redeemer, we've spoken, the community has spoken. Ha- hands up if you think after Halloween it's fair, fair game, fair game. There's one. Is there anybody that thinks even earlier than Halloween? Anyone? No? Okay. Second question. Who has got their Christmas tree up? Hands up. For, yeah, that's, that, that's good. I've got my Christmas tree up. It seems like sometimes putting the Christmas tree up seems to be the marker of the season. Like, that's Christmas now. It feels like Christmas. Um, I think our American friends might have this right. I mean, they did. I know they voted Trump in as president, but maybe they've got some, they've got something, no offense to American friends in the room, because they, they have this holiday called Thanksgiving, which just seems to punctuate like the end of one season and the beginning of another, like beautifully. You know, like nothing is Christmas until Thanksgiving has happened. And then maybe that's the end of the debate. I don't know. Growing up for me, um, uh, Christmas started when, when myself and my two sisters were in the back of our car. Um, we were young and we used to gaze out the window on the journey from my grandparents' house in North Belfast all the way to Newton Ards, which is a long, like when you're five or six or seven or eight years old, that feels like a long journey. It's probably only like 35 minutes, but it feels like a long journey. And Christmas started when we could actually just gaze out the windows and we used to play this game where we used to count the number of Christmas trees. And if we could get up to like 100 Christmas trees by the end, it felt like it was like Christmas, you know? Um, it was just a game that we played. When, as I got older, it seems like I mark Christmas by going to the continental market and getting a big German sausage hot dog and a big plate of Danish pancakes. That seems to be the thing that marks Christmas, that we go to the continental market. Certainly I do anyway. It's like a new, new tradition. Here's the thing. As followers of the way of Jesus, and I'm going to give us a little brief history lesson, um, we can actually mark time differently. It's another extension of, of, of a, it's a little secret I'm letting you into, like an extension of a little secret that Ryan brought last week when he spoke on the secret. Um, we actually have a calendar as Christians, as followers of the way of Jesus, we have a calendar. In fact, there's lots of calendars out there. Um, here's one, the religion of our day, the religion of materialism, the sort of the capitalist, consumeristic machine has its own calendar. You know, it's sort of, it has Black Friday, and then there's like Cyber Monday, and then there's like the January sales, and the whole season is framed with spending and consumeristic, yeah, consumeristic spending. 
There's the cultural calendar, there's like the lighting of the Christmas trees and there's the Christmas movie premieres and all of the other stuff that goes on, the panto is in town, all of that stuff. But there's actually this tradition that goes back 2,000 years among the followers of Jesus which is called the liturgical church calendar and it's informed Christians of the story of Jesus and what the calendar does, the church calendar, it actually helps us as Christians today not jump ahead too quick into Christmas. Christians felt that to to anticipate this remarkable moment where Christ came to be with us, became man and dwell with us when Jesus was born, that they needed some time to prepare for that. And so they added to the calendar this season that they call Advent, the season that leads up to Christmas. And so often we conflate Advent and Christmas, but they're actually very different. Christmas really begins on the 25th of December for 12 days, but Advent is the season of preparation or waiting that leads and paves the way up to Christmas. It actually comes from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or arrival. Most of us will know this word from uh, Advent calendars, particularly the little ones that have chocolate in them when you're a kid. You know, that's one of the practices that we use during Advent. It's a time of preparation and anticipation before Christmas. So over the next four weeks here in Redeemer, every Sunday, we're going to mark the season of Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we'll do the next four. And to help us enter into this season meaningfully and fully, I want us to reflect on this framing of Advent. I want us to think about Advent as a season of invitation. A season of invitation. We're loaded at this time with all sorts of invitations. There's the invitations for us to spend our money in certain ways, to spend our time in certain ways. There's the retail invitation. There's the family and friends invitation. There's the frantic running around, helping everyone invitation. There's the school choir program, the panto, the Christmas party, the other Christmas party, the family in-laws invitation, the old school friends invitation, all of these different invitations. But I'd love us as a community today to, to think about Advent as a divine invitation as the season begins, to set our focus, particularly on the weeks ahead, to prepare ourselves for what the season is that we're living in. This season beckons us uh, to pay attention to something that's a little bit deeper than just the tinsel and the mince pies. We remember that we're actually in a story, a story, the story of Jesus, and we mark this time a little bit differently. We see Advent as a divine invitation, but an invitation to what? To pay attention. To pay attention to what? Here's where I think Advent is about. It's about paying attention to where we are at right now. Advent begs the question, where are you at? The invitation of Advent then is to peer inside that question and find out to pay attention, to become aware of where you're at in life, in longings, in hopes, in your heart. I mean, this was the situation we find in Luke chapter one. The story of Christmas doesn't actually start with Jesus' birth. It begins, it doesn't start with that famous passage in John one where we see the word becoming flesh. No, the story doesn't actually start with the main event. In a sense, the 
the word becoming flesh, Jesus born, the God man. The story of Christ's coming in the world actually begins in the dark and in the silence and in the moment before the event. And it begins with a people, a people who have hopes, a people who have longings, a people who are waiting, preparing. Let me quickly read Luke chapter one for you very quickly. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was called Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We'll just stop there. Here we have the framing of this language in this passage that is really speaking to the hopes of a people, the people of Israel, Mary's own people, who have been waiting, who have been longing for their Messiah, references to their great king, King David, and his throne being given to the newborn Messiah. And here they are waiting for that Messiah, that savior to come, who would come in the lineage of their greatest ever king, as I've said. But here they are with no king, no king anymore, Here they are, a people, imagine, under occupation in the empire of Rome, under the rule of Caesar, and they were not free. In a a sense, these are a people hemmed in, enslaved, and their hopes were that someday a Messiah would come to fulfill the prophets and establish the kingdom of Israel on the earth again, on the earth as a great nation, powerful over all of the others. The people would be free and they would have their hopes and their dreams fulfilled. This Messiah would come to rescue the people, to save them from Roman occupancy, deliver them once again like God had delivered the people in the Exodus story from their captivity in the the Egyptian empire. Hopes, dreams, longings, waiting, waiting for the Messiah, which begs the question today for us, living in the Jesus story, the same question as we mark time differently In Advent, where are you at? Your longings, your dreams, your hope. For our stories, for the stories that we're living in, where are we at? Again, Advent invites us to peer into this question for ourselves and to find out, to pay attention here and now to our own hearts, our own longings, our own wrestlings, to the place in the journey that we're on. Remember Proverbs 4 says this, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. What's going on today in each of our hearts as we approach Christmas? What are we hoping for? What are we aching for? What are we longing for? What are we wishing for? And how do we even begin to figure that out? How do we even know the answers to some of these questions? I believe, Redeemer, that Advent as a season is an opportunity, an invitation, a divine invitation, if you like, to listen to where our hearts speak 
how. I'm going to give us some practical help with this. But here's the setup to the practical help. Firstly, before we can see God's acting out there in the world, before we see the main event of Christ arriving, before we see God acting in the world, we need to survey our worlds in here. We need to answer the question where we're at. We're going to look next week at Advent as a divine interruption. But this week is about invitation. And there's all sorts of stuff going on in your world in here. Advent trains us to be contemplatives. Trains us to pay attention. Trains us to wait and to listen. And to answer that question, as I've said, where are you at? Christian mystics, it trains us to be that turn down the noise in order to hear God. Let me read this. Brian Zand, uh, a theologian pastor in America, says this when speaking about the period of Advent. He says, for it's in the waiting that our soul grows quiet and contemplative and cultivates a capacity for awareness by which we can then discern what God is doing. When God broke into history decisively through the incarnation, who discerned it? Not the Pharisees, whose religious movement was loudly uh, predicting that God was about to act. Not the scribes and the priests, who were like professional experts in the prophetic scriptures. Instead, it was pagan stargazers and peasant shepherds who were discerning what God was doing. They were not experts And they certainly weren't reactionaries at the center of religious noise. They were quiet people on the edge, on the silent edges of contemplative thought, gazing at the stars, keeping watch at night. These are profound metaphors for the contemplative life. To most people, it would appear that the magi and the shepherds were doing really nothing that significant in their long nighttime vigils. But they were the ones who were able to discern what God was doing. It was contemplative stargazers and shepherds, having learned to wait in silence, who found their way to Bethlehem. They were the ones who discerned what God was doing in the seemingly ordinary event of a young woman giving birth in an out-of-way place. So the question is, what is God up to? What's he brewing? What's he shaping? What's he up to in you? What's he saying? We may never know unless we cultivate our hearts to wait and to listen in anticipation because we have a God who is already at work, always. We have a God who's perhaps doing something already if we pay attention. Perhaps doing something in the very corners of your hearts and in the very corners of your lives. And to discern that is contemplative. If we want to discern the actions of God, we must learn to be quiet. And this is a season for that. Before we can become activists, we must first become contemplatives. If we don't see our own hearts laid bare in his presence, we might miss the very thing God's doing in Christ's arrival. You see, Redeemer, all the other stories of our culture They're marking time in a particular way. And we'll just mark time in that way unless we're somewhat intentional. Unless we intentionally adjust our spiritual body clocks to a different time zone 
a different way of marking time. Unless we become like stargazers or peasant shepherds, listeners in the quiet, we might actually inadvertently just be training ourselves to miss what God's actually doing. Unless we can tune in. How do we tune in, Dave, you might be saying? How are we going to do this? Here's three ways that we can do this, and I would love to lead us into a little bit more practical response this morning as we, can, as, we can t- as we continue to explore this theme. Here's the first two very, very quickly. The first way, Redeemer, I believe we can do this is by buying a book. <laughs> I want to recommend to you, though, two books that are going to help. The first one is this book called God is in the Manger by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's an exploration through Advent. It's like a devotional It's really rich, it's very powerful. And if you'd love to journey through Advent, I would really encourage this resource to you to carve out some time to listen to what God might be saying. That's the first book, get yourself a copy. Second book might be on the Christmas wish list for yourself or friends, but it's this book by Aaron Nyquist called The Eternal Current. And it's how a practice-based faith can save us from drowning. So Aaron explores the call for Christians to move beyond shallow, idealistic belief and into a deeper faith rooted in sacred practices. So those are the two books. The God is in the Manger and The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. Why are we talking about practice-based faith? Well, that leads us to the third tool that I'm going to give us today. What I want to share with us today is an ability to carve out some time uh, to listen, to practice what we're actually speaking about this morning. I want to teach us a spiritual practice. A practice is going to help us with listening. A practice is going to help us pay attention to our own hearts. And it might be something that you can actually use throughout the week, throughout this season for 10 or 15 minutes a day or every other day or every few days. It's a practical way to begin the season of Advent and tune ourselves in to what God might be saying to us. Let me just first read this, what Aaron says about spiritual practices. Spiritual practices are not mechanical. They're sacramental. They don't cause something to happen. They open a window to what is already happening. They don't accomplish anything. They create holy space for God to accomplish everything. It's good to sing about Emmanuel, but there's more. It's great to believe that Emmanuel means God with us, but there's more. Through wise practices and the power of the Spirit, we can create holy space that allows us to be with the God that is already with us. For Emmanuel is already always here, closer than the air we breathe. And all that's often missing is our awareness. The invitation is participation. At the very center, Redeemer, of the Christian story is this Emmanuel, God with us idea that Christ came and was born among us. God is with us. It's the story of creation. It's the story of God from Genesis to Revelation that God is present with us in his creation. So how, Redeemer, this Advent season 
Do we teach ourselves? Do we tune in to become stargazers? To be tuned in to the presence of God? What God's already doing? What's going on in our hearts? How do we prepare as we approach Christmas? Well, let me teach you this practice. And as I say, it's gonna set us up. And hopefully it sets us up in a way that we don't choose stress and anxiety and worry and fear this Christmas, but hopefully it can train us towards hope and joy and peace and love and becoming more like Jesus, something we can use every day. I'm gonna carve out literally now some holy space to do this. Are you up for it? Please be up for it. Nothing else. I'm not gonna do it though. I'm gonna play an audio track. And the audio track is really good. It does last about 10 minutes. It's guided the whole way. It's nothing spooky's gonna happen. It's just someone speaking over lovely music, guiding us to think and reflect. And today, even if you don't know if you even believe in God, if you don't even know if you believe this story, if you don't even know if you believe in the divine, I would encourage you to engage with this practice because this practice may just help you reveal what's going on with you internally. You don't have to, but I hope that it's it's there for you to get something out of. The practice I want to teach us today is the practice of examine. Some of you already know it. Some of you have done it. We've taught it to some of you already, some of our leaders. Um, The examine is this ancient practice that helps us identify God's fingerprints in our lives, helps us do all the stuff that we've been talking about this morning, helps us just stop and notice and pay attention about what's going on inside, going going on inside and what God is doing with us. There's five steps. Invitation is all about posturing ourselves before God, that we're not gonna make anything happen. We're just gonna posture ourselves before God so that with that prayer, God, would you lead us? We're gonna go into, it's gonna go into a period of review, which is just encouraging us to think back upon yesterday. We're gonna focus on yesterday and practice gratitude around yesterday, starting with what is good in our lives, the abundance, the grace, the goodness, and the beauty, and thinking about that. The third is to notice this spiritual practice that helps us notice the emotion that comes up when we begin to reflect upon yesterday. The fourth is focus. It's about choosing one of those emotions that sits with us most deeply and then inviting God into that emotion and just asking God what's up, what's up with that and what God might say into that emotion. And then the fifth step is just for going forward in hope. And the idea is just to reflect on what is it that I've learned through this spiritual practice that I can take into the rest of my week and the rest of the season of Advent. So are you up for it? We're gonna do it. You ready? So I want you to sit up, sit up straight. Come on. Because this is a season that can be busy. It's a season that comes at us. This is about us carving out time right here and now to do this practically. So I want you to place your two feet firmly on the ground. I want you to feel your feet on the ground. If you want to close your eyes, you can. I want you to begin by taking some deep breaths. So friends, 
Let's practice together. Would you sit up straight in your chair, please? Would you put both feet on the floor? And I'd invite you, if you have something in your hand, um, if you'd place it on the floor or, or by your feet. And let's just begin by taking in and exhaling two really deep breaths. Let's begin by breathing together. And as you're breathing, just remember, be reminded that you are already fully immersed in the loving presence of God. God is closer than the very air we breathe. And I want to invite you to Say to God with your body what you're saying with your heart and with your mind. So maybe if you want to hold your hands in a particular way that just says, God, I'm open to you. Maybe you want to lift your face upward. Maybe it's helpful to bow in a more formal posture of prayer. Whatever feels natural in your body to say, God, I am open to you in these few minutes. And now let's begin with step one, inviting the Holy Spirit to lead this time. I'm going to give you 30 seconds in your own words and just say, God, I'm open. Maybe, maybe if this feels weird, you just say, God, this is weird. But would you speak? I'm still listening. Would you guide my thoughts? Would you guide my heart? Let's take 30 seconds to invite the Spirit to lead this examination. Now, step two, we review the day in Thanksgiving. Let's begin with yesterday morning, Saturday morning. How did you feel waking up yesterday? Did you have to set an alarm for some reason? Were you able to sleep in a little bit? Did you wake up feeling rested Did you wake up feeling exhausted? How did you feel rolling out of bed? Did you have breakfast? What did you have? How many cups of coffee did it take before you were able to put sentences together? Did you have breakfast with someone? Who? What did you talk about? What did you think about during breakfast? And remember to pay attention to those things that are good, that are beautiful. I mean, you woke up in a warm house. Not everybody did today on our planet. You had breakfast just because you were hungry. 
It was just there. Thank God for the provisions. Thank God for the blessings. And as you continue reviewing the day, begin to notice the emotions that pop up. The negative ones, the positive ones. Don't judge them as good or bad. Just notice. How did you feel? After breakfast, where did you go? You stay at home for most of the day? Did you run, run some errands? Did you meet with a friend? Did you have to get some work done? I want to give us two minutes now to continue this exam and keep going through your day. Remember what you did. Notice the emotions that accompany those memories. And as we're looking for the goodness, for the beauty, also notice the emotions, positive, negative. These next two minutes are ours to review the last 24 hours in gratitude. Holy Spirit, would you guide us? Would you guide us in this holy space, we pray. Let's continue, guided by the Spirit, to step four. Is there one emotion that you keep feeling drawn back to? Maybe it's something really good that you just want to spend some time savoring that experience from yesterday. Or maybe God is drawing you to something that's not as positive. Maybe it's confusing. Maybe you're ashamed of that feeling. But there it is. Where do you feel God drawing your attention to? Is there one experience from yesterday or one emotion? Try to picture that in your mind's eye. 
And now would you take 30 seconds to tell God all about it, to share your heart about this experience, about this emotion as one friend to another. Pour your heart out to the God who's here and listening. finished sharing just pause and listen what do you imagine God wants to say in response to what you've just shared let's take 30 seconds and humbly listen Loving God, we thank you for hearing us. Emmanuel, we thank you for being here with us, always closer than the air we breathe. We thank you for walking with us. We thank you that when we pause to look back, your fingerprints are everywhere. Thank you for never giving up on us. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for inviting us. We thank you for our very lives. And we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone agreed and said, version of the prayer examine that hopefully maybe gives you a flavor of something you can use this Advent. Um, you may have noticed that we didn't do the fifth, and so I'd love to do the fifth step with us today. As we enter into this season of Advent, um, I would love us to approach the table of Christ's grace to us um, with all that God has spoken to us about this morning, whether God has spoken to you as you did that prayerful um, practice, or maybe God's been speaking to you in other ways, through conversations you've had, or through the worship, the sung worship time, whatever way God has been speaking to you, whatever you feel God's speaking to you about, whatever you've learned this morning, bring that in, in joy, in humility, and whatever that may be, to the table as we break bread together. I'd love to invite us to stand as we do that. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray this prayer together. And there's going to be a prayer that comes up on the screen. Um, 
uh, an Advent prayer, an Advent liturgy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read it, and you can respond. Um, let us all respond to the to the bits in yellow um, as I lead it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We wait expectantly for you into a world of sin and shame, of war and waste, of pain and loss. You, the Savior Christ, were born into a world that's just the same. We wait for you again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. O Lord, give us yourself above all things. It is in your coming alone that we are enriched. It is in your coming that true gifts come. Come that we may share the gifts of your presence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with healing of the past. Come and calm our memories. Christ, we wait for you. Come with joy for the present. Come and give life to our existence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with hope for the future. Come and give a sense of eternity. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come with strength for our wills. Come with power for our thoughts. Christ, we wait for you. Come with love for our heart. Come and give affection to our being. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord, give yourself above all things and help us to give ourselves to you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and live within us that we might live in you. Christ, we wait for you. Lord, fill our hearts with your goodness. Dwell in us and let us know your peace. Enter into the dark places of our lives that we may overflow with your love and reflect your forgiveness, bringing forth the fruits of love, hope, joy, and peace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God of our joys and sorrows, Make your home amongst us. Comfort and console the prisoner. Be with the oppressed, the exile, and the wounded. Give us compassionate hearts and bring us all the joys of heaven, our true home, where you reign, your kingdom come. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come, King Jesus, come. You are the object of our journey. You're the one who leads us onward. You're the light in the gloom. You're the forgiving one. You're the peace giver. You're the accompanier. You're the incarnate one. Christ, we 